Hello, I'm Hans Lee from Livewire Markets, and you're tuning into Signal or Noise, the podcast. Each episode, I'm joined by Australia's top macro minds to explain how you can make money from a top-down perspective. If you're confused by the data or a little lost in the headlines, this show is for you. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to our show and the Livewire Markets and Market Index websites. And a reminder that everything you're about to hear is information only and not advice. So with that said, let's go. Hello, I'm Hansley, and welcome to the first episode of a brand new series of Signal or Noise. We are back for 2024 with a new look and new conversations to help get you and your money ahead of the curve. Joining myself and our resident economist, of course, Yana Messina from AMP, Sebastian Mullins of Schroeder's, and Craig Morabit of First Centier Investors. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Thanks nice for having us. Our first show of the season is dedicated to what we are loosely calling the three C's. That's cuts, conditions, and credit. Let's start with the cuts, and of course those are rate cuts. We'll show you this chart from our friends at Macrobond. This is how the interest rate path has changed in the US over just the last few weeks. So the purple line there is a November, the blue line there is January, and the orange line there is December. So that's the US. And then we'll show you Australia. And in both cases, you can see a significant pull forward in the expectations for rate cuts, now, for the record, the charts here are timestamped as of January 24th, but following the Australian quarterly inflation print on January 31, the Australian rates curve is now pricing in two rate cuts for 2024. And of course, all this anticipation for rate cuts has in turn led to a massive loosening in financial conditions. This next chart is the Goldman Sachs Financial Conditions Index. It's widely followed in the market. And if you look at the very far right-hand side of this chart, the first chart, that is, not the one on the left, the index has dropped from tightening territory to loosening territory very quickly. And the biggest drop, as you can see in the right-hand chart, has come from long-end bonds, a rally on long-end bonds, and a huge rally in the S&P 500. And finally, the last chart that I want to show you is this. It is a massive surge in credit values since the end of 2023. Now, global investment grade and junk bond prices did start the year with a $240 billion fall, but then recovered most of its losses. In spite of predictions, we'll see some serious cracks in the credit market due to the lagged effect of rate hikes. And with that said, let's get into the debate. First up, everybody, this, this massive shift toward rate cuts. Deanna, to you, is it a signal or a noise? I, th- I think it's a massive signal. It follows on from, let's just start with the Fed, what the Fed has really been saying since November around that dovish pivot, if, if you want to call it that, towards rate cuts. I think the data is certainly justifying it in the US. We can see some cracks in the labor market. For Australia, I still think that the market's underpricing the number of rate cuts that we're going to get this year. We think we're going to get about three. Yeah, okay. Well, Deanna, while we talk of rate cuts, maybe let's talk about the chart that you've brought along because, I mean, there's this conventional wisdom that, that rate cuts from central banks often precede recessions, but I wonder if it'll happen again this time. Maybe walk us through the chart you brought along. Well, the chart shows the likelihood of a recession in the US based on the New York Fed probability of recession, and it's still indicating a very high risk of a recession 
this year. I mean, last year we didn't get that recession. I guess you could say Eurozone is technically probably around one right now, mm. but the US and Australia didn't have a recession. I think that we still need to be mindful that there is still the risk of a downturn this year and a recession, which would see more rate cuts. And also it could see quite a significant drawdown in share markets because we know that the worst share market drawdowns are the ones that are associated with a recession. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for that. Sebastian, what do you think? I mean, this this huge shift downward in, in, in rate cuts and the flattening of the rates is it a signal or noise to you? I think it's a signal. And we'll talk later about financial conditions. But the, the Fed and other central banks have indicated that easing is the path they're going to go forward. Whether it's 150 basis points, like what's priced by the Fed, maybe, maybe not. We'll get into that later. But at least they've shown their hand of which way they're going to go. And cutting is the way forward this year. I think the recession model is interesting because that's sort of showing the New York probit model, which is effectively short end versus long end. And that's just saying current monetary policy is too tight. So it has to come down, or at least the market is anticipating it will come down based on that curve. But I think we've seen a very strong consumer and corporate in the face of one of the biggest rate high cycles in the past couple of decades. And what's interesting this term around is that if you think about consumers, a U.S. consumer, their percentage of debt right now that's floating rate is around 12%, whereas GFC was 25%. In the 80s, it was 40%. So the amount of floating date debt they have is very, very low. And they've locked in their mortgages at lower rates. So they're not feeling the pinch you otherwise would. And in fact, that debt servicing cost as a percentage of their personal income is flat for the past decade. In fact, it's actually below 10%, which is the lowest ever of the past 30 years. So they're not feeling the pinch of higher rates, yeah. nor are corporates. So as long as inflation's rolling over and we're seeing some of that coming through the data, the Fed can cut rates and potentially actually avoid a recession and actually achieve that soft landing. Yeah. Quickly, Sebastian, I just want to draw on what Deanna was saying there, that she and her team expect three rate cuts, market's saying two rate cuts. Do you think we'll get anywhere close to that in Australia? I think it's it's really, the data keeps changing, right? So yeah. if, if you asked me yesterday, I would have said no. <laughs> but with inflation coming as often expected, it looks more likely. But I think they really have to consider what the tax cuts the government are proposing, how that actually influences the economy. Because some have said that's the equivalent of two rate cuts already with the tax rebate. Would that stimulate the economy enough? And will they actually cut on top of that? So I think they'll want to wait and see how that actually translates into the economy first. But after today's inflation print, it's more likely to have another cut than before. A day is a long time in markets. <laughs> Craig, what about you? Signal or noise? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a signal for me as well, so I can't dissent. But, you know, it's, it's a balance. It feels about right that it makes sense to take a little chip, a few of the chips off the table uh, for the Fed. They've done a, you know, a great job. Inflation is coming down. Growth is still okay, though. Unemployment is still okay. So there's still strength there. Corporates are doing well. It's a nice balance. It feels about right. Yep. Okay. Sebastian, we'll come back to you to start the second topic, this loosening in financial conditions. Do you think it's important for investors to be taking note of? Is it a signal or noise? I think it's a signal because most of the tight financial conditions led to a lot of the worries last year. Higher interest rates, higher cash rates, higher bond yields, higher credit spreads, all that really slows the economy. So now the market is a front run, the Fed and other central banks, that loosening of financial conditions allows the foot to be taken off the brake, so to speak, and allow the economy to start to recover. So I do think it's a signal. Sebastian, let's talk about the chart you brought along. <laughs> Speaking of inflation, it was the word of 2023. We've already mentioned it a lot of times just in this uh, first segment of the show. This loosening in financial conditions, of course, allows to happen if disinflation, deflation is working and it's immaculate. Take us through the charts you brought along, please. Sure. So I've got a cheated. I have two here. On the, on the left-hand side, you're seeing shelter or the rent component of shelter CPI coming through. And that's been a very slow and lagging indicator. That is rolling over, but it's staying quite high. Now, the Fed came up with a new model that's faster twitch using uh, microdata. And that shows that it should roll over quite substantially over the coming months. 
So while the CPI itself might take time to reflect that, at least the signal is, is down. And shelters around a third of, well, a bit higher in PCE, PC, uh, sorry, CPI, a bit lower in PCE, but it's a large component of it. So that's rolling over. That's positive for disinflation to come through. The other side is wage growth. So wage growth has been very strong. And of course, if consumers are getting paid more, they're going to spend more and keep inflation high. That has started to roll over. Now, typically that rolls over um, because companies are getting stretched by their margins being compressed, and they typically have to lay staff off to address that. They haven't had to do it this time because you've seen an increase in the labor force by illegal immigration coming through into the US that has pushed wages lower or come off from higher wages. So that's still good for the consumer because they're getting paid more, but it means there's not going to be that pressure on inflation if they'll continue to go up. And we've shown that against the quits rate, which means that if you're confident in finding a new job, you'll quit and find a new job. Whereas if you're not, you'll probably stay in your job a bit longer, and that correlates quite nicely. That is rolling over still. So shelter's coming down, wages are coming down. That does give the Fed ammunition to start cutting without the need to have a recession. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much for bringing that along. Craig, the the loosening in financial conditions obviously affects all asset classes, including credit, where uh, where you apply. Is this a signal or a noise to you? It's a signal. I mean, corporates can fund at lower levels longer. They can plan CAPEX at lower levels. So that, that that's a signal that it's going to support risk assets. It's going to support corporates. It means lower defaults. That's all positive for, for credit markets. And, you know, theoretically, it's it's positive for, for equity as well because you've got lower costs, you know, per your earnings. So so it has to be a signal. It's, it's, it's coincidental, but it feeds on itself. You know, it is, you know, funding rates are long-term. So it has to be a signal and it's supportive for credit credit and just risk assets. But coincidental in a good way, you mean? Coincidental in a good way. It's showing you what the market has done and then if that's going to benefit the market going forward. So that's that's why it's a signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, good kind of signal. A good kind of signal in this case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Deanna, is it a signal or noise to you? Uh, Craig just was, said what I was about to say. I think yeah. it, it is a short-term signal, but it's a coincident indicator of the market. So oh. I don't know how much forward-looking capability it, it actually has, maybe for the short term, but not too much for the medium term. Right. Well, we'll move to our third topic now. This idea that, you know, whether we will see a credit crunch or at least a tightening in credit conditions this year. Craig, what do you think? Is that going to happen? Signal or noise? Credit crunch is definitely noise. That's a very extreme event. Uh, We don't have the setup for that. You have to have, you know, either poor fundamentals, you have to have a real strong tightening in in financial conditions, so hikes happening or material issues like, you know, banking crisis is like impacting the market. So so none of those are really occurring at all. You know, really, you know, corporates are faced with more willingness than ability. It's when it's ability to, f- to, to manage your fundamentals that's an issue. If it's more about willingness and therefore it's, you know, cutting a dividend or maybe not spending on that CAPEX plan, you're going to make it through. The, you don't, you're not going to get a credit crunch. And, and the credit markets are, are telling you that as well, I think. Okay. All right. Well, you are a credit portfolio manager on the panel. You've brought along a chart around credit spreads. Surprise, surprise. Put this all into context then with, with the, the chart that you brought along for us, if you could. No, can do. So, so obviously you've seen, you know, charts showing you that the, the credit values have, you know, ranged quite significantly over the last year and even at the start of the year, it moved around quite a lot. But a lot of that is coming from the rates markets valuation changes and not the credit risk premium. So we really have to look at the credit risk premium to understand what the credit market's telling us and not focus on that noise that the rates markets is is providing us. So the credit risk premium has been coming down for the last year. Credit investors are telling you that we're more comfortable. Uh, Defaults look like they've they've hit a a high in in mid-2023. You look at 
you know, speculative part of the market in the high yield space. The the distressed amount of of bonds in that part of the market is around six percent, which is half of what it was in the last few years. So, the credit market's indicating to you that the risks are quite minimal right now. You know, you're not going to get a a blowout in default and therefore a credit crunch. You should get around average default risk rates now, which is three to four percent, which is right around where we are now. Okay, cool. Thank you for bringing that along. Deanna, this this idea of a, a credit crunch, do you agree with Craig there? Is there a signal or noise? I, I think it's noise as well. I mean, you might, you will probably see pockets of stress after interest rate hikes. You normally tend to see some fall through, and we had that last year, nearly a year ago with the banking crisis. Maybe some specific sectors will be under some sort of funding stress, but we don't have any buildup of extreme excesses in any particular markets in the major economies. And if you believe the market pricing or our own forecast, then rates are coming down. So that should help sectors, I think. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Sebastian, signal or noise for you? Credit crunch is a noise. Yeah. I agree. I think we mentioned before how the consumer has really been insulated from rate rises and higher quality corporates have also been insulated from rate rises. If you think about interest expense has gone up because rates have gone up, but net interest expense hasn't taken away the income on cash. It's actually trending lower. And corporates like, say, technology companies, 30% of them earn more on their cash than they pay out on their interest. If you think about Apple, they issued a bond of like 4.3% back in 2021. They've got $200 billion sitting in cash, earning 5.2%. So they're actually in a pretty good position because they've termed out their debt and have better quality balance sheets. If you think about other credit quality metrics, for example, net debt to EBITDA has increased, but is about average over the past couple of years outside of COVID. And you've had lower credit spreads in that period than you have now. Also, rates were zero. So, you know, having that stable stabilization despite high rates is important. And interest expense have come down quite substantially, but from an elevated peak back to the past decade's average, again, when interest rates are zero. So they're showing you there fundamentally they're in pretty good shape. And while credit spreads are tighter than they were before, that's giving you indication that they are high quality. And as we said about Queensland indicators, financial conditions tightening, credit tightening, interest rates lower. That means when they have to refinance, they're refinancing a lower level, which will bring down default rates. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay. All right. Let's put this all together then. Given all we've discussed today, all the rate cuts, all the talk about loosening conditions, all the talk about stronger fundamentals, that this time is different compared to, say, 2008. How are you and your teams investing for the next 12 months and beyond? And Diana, I might start there with you and what you're hearing from the AMPSA allocation teams. The teams are invested quite neutrally yeah. for now. I think it you can still have a rally in share markets up until the point where you get a downturn or a recession. I mean, our teams are still quite mindful that there are a lot of risks this year, probably I'd say maybe more than last year, especially in the first six months, because you may see some of those fall through from higher interest rates, especially in a country like Australia that's more sensitive to rate hikes compared to a country like the US because of the floating rate debt issue and household mortgages. But we don't have the confirmation that we're headed to a recession right now. So up until you get that point, I think you still want to be invested in growth assets and the team still have a neutral allocation to the to equity markets. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Sebastian, how are you and the Schroeder's team looking at investing right now? Well, we invest with sort of an objective-based strategy so we can go 100% cash we want to or, you know, go into risk. To put it bluntly, we had a lot of cash back in 2022 because that was the way to defend from downside when bonds and equities are selling off. We're fully deployed now, so we pretty much have zero cash. We had been sort of more neutral, as Diana's mentioning, sort of, you know, in credit and equities and some bonds as well. I guess after such a tight rally in credit spreads, 
if we get through this period of potential volatility and weakness, the question we have is when do we start selling credit to buy equities? So we're probably holding here with some protection in the portfolio, like put options in case the equity market does fall, but we're looking to add to risk once we get past some of these more, I guess, short-term uh, data prints that could be a bit volatile for equity markets. You're waiting for the pullback <laughs> whenever it comes. Craig, obviously in your role managing credit, I guess, and, and as, a, as a primary focus, how do you manage a credit portfolio as it were? Yep. This time? And, and right now, so we, we still like credit risk where it is. Rationale there is, is credit risk pays you through a cycle for your default risk involved. So for us, overweighting credit risk right now makes sense. We can have credit spreads at tight levels for long periods of time. So that's that's one part of the, the portfolio. However, volatility is still pretty high in rates and it's still moving credit markets around. So we're overweight credit risk, underweight the volatility in the in the portfolios. And that's how we're finding a nice balance. And the other aspect is, I think that's it's slightly different now than pre-2021 is we're getting defaults at slightly higher levels. I know they're not massive levels, but they're still double what they were in you know the 10 years after the GFC outside the, the oil crash. So for me, that still means that fundamentals will play out and will make sense. And that's how you, you need to focus on fundamentals to manage the, the overall default risk in the portfolio. Okay. So just quickly as a follow-up, if you're saying you know fundamentals are you know, reasonably solid, you're not expecting a credit crunch, so you don't mind having an allocation to high yield? Absolutely not. I think if you look at the, the particularly the high yield bond market, the the financial standards there are really quite good. If you look at the loan market, some of those didn't really hedge out their interest rate risk that well. But you've seen a washout of those. They, the default rate hit above the bond level for the first time I've seen in I don't know two three decades. So there's been a bit of a washout there. So that still looks okay. And if the rates do come down, that supports that part of the market. So absolutely, there's there's great gems in the high yield bond market. No one should be afraid of that. And on that note, that's it. That's it for the first show for the season of Signal or Noise. We want to thank Craig Morabita, First Centre Investors. Thank you, sir. Sebastian Mullins from Schroeders. Thank you. And Deanna Messina from AMP. Lovely to have you back for another year. Thank you very much. We'll see you in a month for the February reporting season wrap. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Livewire and Market Index websites, our YouTube channel, and our podcast, which you can now find on Apple and Spotify. See you in a month. Thanks for being with us.